This is the Houston Football Show, brought to you by the Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge, with your hosts, Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. Welcome in to episode 11 of the Houston Football Show, every Tuesday year-round, once a week, where we blend analytics, inside information, and evaluations all in one. I uh, appreciate you checking us out this evening. Let's get right into it. I'm Jason Braddock, and along with me, as always, as always, is Pro Football Network's NFL Insider, and here locally, KPRC2 and Sports Talk 790's Texas Insider, Aaron Wilson. How you doing this evening, Aaron? Doing great, Jason. How are you? Uh, doing great. We're going to get into everything. Look back at week four and ahead to week five. We also got Mark Larson with us tonight from MyLogic Media. We appreciate you joining us, uh, Mark, and all the excellent job you do on the production. You'll see everything iLogic Media does with the commercials, the pre-recorded spot, and all the production of the broadcast. Check them out if you need help on any of your professional needs. All right, let's get right into it, Aaron. Before we t- uh, take a look back at that char- Chargers game and peek ahead to the Jaguars, let's get a a little bit of an update on the rest roster, particularly at that tight end position. Catch us up with the latest coming and goings. Right. Yeah. Farrell Brown was released today, terminated his contract. He's already drawing interest from other teams. And yeah, we'll get too far into the um, the details, uh, but sure. just uh, some disagreement over his health. Uh, and he was held out of the Chargers game. And so uh, he had a hip and, and shoulder injury and uh, felt like he could play. And then there was a difference of opinion. And ultimately that led to uh, that disagreement to him being released today. So, yeah, I can't get too far into it. but that, Sure. That's just, no, I, I think you said enough. Like I, I mean, we appreciate it. you. We appreciate you expanding, expanding on that. I understand. Now, he did have a one-year contract with $3 million guaranteed. $3 million so, guaranteed, yes. Uh, yeah, already so received I, his $1 million signing bonus. Yeah, so I figured there had to be something there. So uh, I don't think it's going to be shocking for people to hear that, but it's great to get that little bit of tidbit and make a little bit more sense of it. Now they got four tight ends on the current roster, not counting the IR, uh, counting practice squad as well, though. They have four tight ends uh, that are all making less combined than what uh, Farrah Brown was paid for this season, right. oddly enough. And so, but catching up that on that practice squad, Jordan Akins has been promoted twice and has done well in both appearances. He can only be promoted once more. Uh, Mason Shrek, a little bit of a better blocker of the guys that's left on the roster. Uh, he's been promoted once. He can only be promoted twice left. Do we see them? They've got the bye week next week. So, are we going to see a little bit of roster Olympics here where they kind of kick the can down the road a little bit at that tight end position, knowing they can elevate both of these guys if they want to, and then go into the buy and reassess? Or how do you think? This well, they out? have some flexibility here. They have some decisions to make. And one move that they did make formally was cutting Chris Conley and replacing him with Davion Davis. Right. So Davion's a younger player, uh, less expensive uh, when he's on, if he was on active than Chris. And so what they've done here is they brought back a player that pulled his hamstring that they like and it broke his ankle last year. So 
little different in terms of durability and special teams from Chris. Uh, but, you know, Chris had already been promoted twice, had one more elevation. I don't think this is the last we've seen of Chris. Uh, oh, really? Okay. They have with him. No, people thought that last time, and he was right, right back on the team. So, you know, they have a good relationship with Chris, with Chris's camp. And so, yeah, never say never when it comes to players when they have a good relationship because then they work with them, and he likes being here. He had other choices. He wanted to be with the Texans. And as far as the tight ends, so here's the deal. Jordan Akins, one way or another, will be playing, whether it's 53 signs sure. a year or elevated one more time. And they do have some leeway. And I don't know yet, and I don't think they've – you know, obviously there's there's rules involved, but Andy Isabella is subject to waivers and they are atop the waiver claim order. So he would be an interesting opportunity if you're looking for a slot receiver and they're very aware of him. Uh, you know, there is already, I believe, some interest back channel on Andy from other teams. Texans not showing their hand just as of yet. So we'll see uh, what happens. I, I got you, Aaron. I'm picking up what you're laying down. I, I like the way you're flipping those 26 consonant and vowels we have. Well, sure. Uh, well, no, they're no, they're no, aware no. of them. I got I, you. I, I'm saying 100% that the Texans have not kicked tires. I can't say the same for every other team in the league. For sure. Isn't sure. like, you know, looking into it, making some calls. And I think he is an interesting player. You know, he was a right. second round pick. He's a good slot receiver. He ran a 4 2 9 at the. NFL scouting combine. And to me, he kind of fits and would be an interesting player for them for the at, slot. At this point, your wide receiver position is, you know, three drops this past game, two from um, two from Chris Moore, uh, oh, and one from Philip Dorsett. The wide yep. receiver group, seven drops as a whole. I mean, at this point, why not? I mean, if there's a guy out there you like or even we'll interested, yeah, you've got the worst record, kick the tires on him. Bring yeah, him in. Andy, and he had a back injury earlier this year. He got hurt oh, with okay. the weights, uh, but he's healthy now. And he has caught passes in all the games he's played in. So he's had a little bit of production with Kyler Murray. Well, you're just uh, giving we'll us see. a 20-piece nuggets tonight, man. I like, charge more than not <laughs> well, even charging as much as McDonald's for it as well. I love all no, these nuggets man. you're dropping. Uh, good nuggets, but uh, so where they're at now is just look for Jordan. Brevin Jordan is day to day, so it's not clear if Brevin. Okay, that was going to be my next question. So, all right, yeah. that's good to hear. So he's so day to day. So they don't know yet if Brevin can get back for this game. So you might need Shrek again, yeah. and you just don't want to paint yourself into a corner when you have some other rosters decisions to make. So you're going to they're designating Mario Addison for return, the defensive end, and you know. So if you bring him up. Who goes down? Does Damone Harris lose his job? You know, that, that's a possibility. Well, I'm going to ask you about that. I'm going to go to a different position. Another guy mm-hmm. that has struggled with injuries. The talent's apparent, but he struggled with injuries. And you hate to see that with, with anybody in professional sports. But uh, Blake Cashman, uh, severity of this, is this something to where? Uh, uh, I don't think that, I mean, I don't think they're going to IR him right away just because he has a concussion. Do I think he misses this game? Of course, in today's era you're not playing one week after a concussion anymore. I think it's going to be like a, not a hard and fast two week rule, but that's just how teams are going to treat it. A lot of the considerations they're going to make with the IR designated for return or players that are injured is going to be with the thought that this is our only chance with the bye week coming up to get guys healthy before the Vegas game and hope that they can make it through the year. So yes, I would expect Cashman to be out. 
And yes, I would expect Garrett Wallow, mm-hmm. not that they use the three linebacker set that much to for Garrett to be above him uh, this week. Right. And get, so this opportunity for Garrett, who's had a couple of games now under his belt since the ankle, to do something. And, you know, he had a great offseason. He had a good game against Jacksonville last year. Actually, it was his best game of the year. So I expect this to be an interesting week for Garrett. And they're playing a team that has got a couple of good backs and Travis Etienne and uh, James Robinson. So we'll see. But, as you know, we're sticking with the roster and the health. So just because those guys might be ready to practice doesn't mean they're not going to have the ramp-up window. Right, so that it opens the 21-day window for him. Right, so Mario Addison, that could happen. Tavier Thomas, who's been – we watched him run in the drills right. in the individual. He seems pretty close, but they're really big on having guys practice for a week before they – and then you play the following week. Okay, another great like night. I'm going to have to get some sweet and sour now. You're going to drop okay. nuggets in our <laughs> show. Okay, perfect. So just reading the tea leaves. Yeah. Do I necessarily think that those guys, other than the designated for return, return to practice, maybe those two guys, I'm not expecting this great exodus uh, from the injured reserve. I think what you'll see is guys that are procedurally taking that step toward. And slowly trickle off uh, probably one at a time because you got and to free then up roster you have spots decisions as well. To make. Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. So, so it, it gives job. you that extra depth. While these guys are healthy, you don't have to expedite these other guys' return. So makes sense. I, I got no issue with that. All right, before we move on to um, uh, a little bit further, let's touch on two other guys that got banged up in this game. I want to hear about the severity. Titus Howard got rolled up on when, uh, when Davis Mills got sacked at one time. Uh, came back into the game here, but he was down for a little bit holding holding a part i'll say his leg i'm not sure exactly where he was holding it out uh what's the report on this or have you heard the latest oh i i don't know if they're going to be on the injury report or not i know that you know with the case of titus he finished the game yeah he told me he just got landed on and he shook it off i mean he was he was okay yeah okay and with derek stingley I asked Derek more than once. He said he felt fine. He did not technically finish the game. He did go back in, then he went back out. But he bruised. Did you his see arm. what happened on it? Yeah, it was crazy what happened. So both of these were friendly fire. Kenyon got beat on the sack, and uh, when the guy sacks, I forget who had the sack, but he takes down Davis Mills. They both roll right it's into the Jerry back Tiller. of Titus. Okay, there you go, and they both roll right into the back of Titus. Uh, then on the other one came from friendly fire as well. Desmond King, when uh, Derek Stingley has the player wrapped up. Derek, um, excuse me, Desmond King comes and flies and gives a shot right to Stingley's arm right into it. Like you said, he left the game. He came back in. And this was crazy, Aaron. When he comes back in the game, he's pressing Mike Williams, but he's keeping the injured arm off because you can tell it's wrapped up. And he's doing everything he can not to have anything hit. He's in obvious pain, but he wants to finish the game, right? So when Mike Williams crosses the middle, linebacker comes up, I believe, makes the tackle. And Stingley's running towards him while Williams is rolling over. He tries to jump over the pile to avoid it and gets tripped up by Mike Williams legs. And yes, lo and behold, he comes all the way down and lands on that same exact arm that he's going all out of his way to avoid. And he leaves the game again after that. So I I was just curious on that because it looked like he was in some serious pain. I think sometimes when you, you know, get bruised like that, you know, you have Just a, a contusion. You have, okay. 
Yeah, it, it that's what they characterize it as as a bruise. I think that's accurate. And I don't think that he suffered anything that he well, he didn't even get x-rays. So sure. It's just you know, that's football, things happen. Uh, right. I think it's uh just one of those situations where you look at, you know, obviously he's a very high level valuable contributor uh who had his moments uh and the stats, by the way, are way off uh, by PFF. There was a zone bust by the linebacker on that one, and the 50-yard Mike Williams catch should not be attributed to him, but that's whatever. Um, I think that's the hard part about analytics and knowing sure. any coverages and just watching the tape, but that's what they did. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, I saw they put that on Stingley as well. I thought um, he had a respectable game. It, it, wasn't, it was actually in a way I think he did better than he did against Sutton. Hey, um, well, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, uh, when he's giving up stuff, he's off. He's playing off. He's having a break late, everything like that. I mean, it's stacked against him when you're playing a top-tier wide receiver. But on the couple plays they asked him to man up on Mike Williams and shots were taken, he was in his hip pocket and they were incomplete. So, And we talked about the Texans secondary having 20 missed tackles. Petrie leads the entire NFL with eight among Ooh. the secondary members. Tied for second, Steven Nelson with six. King has three. Uh, Owens has three. Um, those are PFF um, tackles. No, this is Inside Edge. This is from our title Inside sponsor. Uh, yeah, this is from our title sponsor, Inside Edge. Uh, they've been providing analytics data to professional sports teams for 27 years. They were Thank the start you. of the Moneyball age uh, in Major League Baseball. They provide this to NBA, NFL, professional websites, everything else. You can check it out too, My Inside Edge, and we'll have a spot coming up here in a second uh, at MyInsideEdge.com. And I'll put those stats out there from time to time, but go check it out yourself as well, and you'll see a, a little break coming up here in a second before we hit before we hit this uh first break aaron you talked about tavier thomas you talked about mario addison the fans love christian harris people are excited to see him he's missed a lot of time i have no clue what his timeline is but the way it sounds it sounds like they're going to open that window on these guys at probably separate times with mario coming back first from that 21 day window then maybe tavier after the bye um possibly before uh but sounding like it could well, be the after the bye was that it's a six week injury so when when i reported it the intention was always after week six that he okay would- okay so uh, there you go there's some clarity to that i so must have missed that so it was a six week injury Generally, what happens with a six-week quad injury is it's going to take that long. And okay. so that move is a grade two, uh, if, if my memory is serving me, from August. So he got injured. He's been having a really good rehab. He back. And, you know, I think he will help the pass defense and the run defense. Uh, if, I know people don't always have the longest memories, but Tavier will stick you. He's yes. a very sound tackler. And I would expect yes. him to help special teams defense right away. Uh, and oh, and put in a final thought. Yeah. And put in a final thought on that with you talking about Tavier being a great tackler, uh, 20 missed tackles from that secondary three for King, three for Owens, uh, six for Nelson and uh, eight for Petrie, Derek Stingley, Jr. Zero missed tackles. I think he's been a very sound tackler. He's been physical. He's more than physical enough for what you want yes. from a corner. I mean, you don't really want like the most macho corner where they're, you know, possibly injuring themselves because it's a skilled position and you need them right. to be preserved. He's calculated. 
I, I like what he's done. And I think with Jalen, Jalen's made a lot of good tackles too. Uh, and he'll get better. Uh, I think right, we'll get to Jalen in this next segment. But uh, let's yeah. take a quick spot. We'll come back. We'll look back at Chargers, Texans, and the role Jalen Petrie had in that game right after this break from our sponsors. Come out and enjoy Houston's longest standing poker room with a stellar reputation for class and quality Prime Social Poker Club. At Prime, you'll enjoy an upscale social environment, fully stocked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables, and many other fun games throughout the venue. You can also join their over 21,000 members with a lifetime membership for only $10. What are you waiting for? Get into the game. Come join us at Prime Social Poker Club. Inside Edge was founded over 30 years ago as a data and analytics provider for Major League Baseball clubs. If you've seen the movie Moneyball, then you know Inside Edge. They were part of the data and analytics revolution in professional sports. Fans can now have access to the same insights and analytics used by pro teams for free at MyInsideEdge.com. MyInsideEdge is a destination for sports bettors and daily fantasy players where they can find matchups, specific insights, and projections to help make informed betting and fantasy decisions. Again, that's MyInsideEdge.com. All right, we're back here on the Houston Football Show. Aaron Wilson and Jason Braddock. We're going to get back into this uh, breakdown on episode 11, Chargers, Texans, look back. we got to start with the quarterback position. A lot of talk there. Davis Mills, first time in his career, back-to-back games with multiple in interceptions. Only had one interception at home up to this point in his career. Two interceptions in this game. But with all that being said, let me ask you, Aaron, uh, was this week four performance as bad as is publicly believed to be. No, it was not. It was a terrible start. The interception at the start of the game, the overthrow to Nico, and then he got better. Uh, is it as glass half full as Lovey Smith would, you know, have you want to believe or want the media to to say? No, no, it's somewhere in between. But what I my assessment of Davis is he made some big league throws, especially his throw to Brandon Cooks. Uh, he showed muscle on the throw to Nico Collins. He showed some flashes, not of being a franchise quarterback, you know, or whatever elite, which I went through with is Joe Flacco elite. Uh, nice. I had many fun times. You with can't spell Flacco. elite without Eli. I remember yeah, that face. Yeah, absolutely. But I thought he was more than passable that if he had a, you know, like a lot of people around him that he could have winning games and winning performances. It was the late interception. It's over. And they're in kind of desperate mode. Uh, the one he threw to Callahan, but yeah, yeah I that's, had a, a, that's a lose, lose situation. Fourth I had a real problem holding the first on interception and, and anybody would that, that can't happen. And that looked like a guy that was a little shell shocked from the confidence from the previous game. And that made me worry about him and wonder, is he going to go into a shell? But he fought his way back from it, and he made some throws that encouraged me. You know, you saw the pass to Jordan Akins. Jordan, the run after the catch was outstanding in that one, but he's showing an ability to see the field. I really wish they would find some plays for O.J. Howard 
who I don't know what he's done to not get the ball since catching a couple of touchdowns on his first two targets, but uh, make it make sense. And there's, I know Rex scored, but there's still too much Burkhead, but that's a different story. And we'll get to Damian six, Pierce. Six most target running back in the, uh, yeah. in the NFL. Well, but no, to, I would to dig into about Damian, but my, my final takeaway on take on um, Davis Mills, is this. Yeah. Don't give up on this guy. And he may get to a point where you like him a little more, like the way you did at the end of the year. And I am open-minded to the possibility of him continuing to improve because I've seen improvement in certain areas each of the last two weeks. I saw him move in the pocket against Chicago and find second and third reads. I saw this time some muscle on throws. So I'm seeing like little – flashes of a quarterback that you know do I like him better than what I'm seeing from some of the other guys? Yes. Justin Fields, pick it. Is he fumbling four times a game like Lawrence just did? You know, is, is everybody giving up on Lawrence? Yeah, I, I don't I don't understand the need to expedite the write-off on a third round quarterback who's had 15 starts and was coming out of college with limited playing time. And the whole thing about him is that he's got uh real upside, but he's going to have to take live reps in the NFL to get that. So you're going to have ugly moments. You're going to have good moments. Uh, that's what this season's for. They're not playing for a Super Bowl. Yeah. I mean, you're not it's going to develop it, but that's yes. your thing too yes. is like, and I understand because that's what we're taught to do. Why did you do this on this down? Why did you do this on another down? All logical and all fair questions, all legitimate. The way I look at it and the way I'm sort of the approach I'm taking to coverage, I care about the news, the roster moves, and I care about the development. And so what I'm looking for is the interesting stories, and I think everyone is, but the games – I mean, the games are, to me, a lot of series of individual and performances, and I don't expect much from the team as far as record. And these were some of the games they should have won, and it is going to be a long year with the record in all likelihood. There are not a lot of gimmies coming up. And they've won eight in a row against Jacksonville. This game will be very hard to win. Uh, It's not to say they can't win, but it's going to be very difficult for them to win the game. They'll need a big-time game from Damian Pierce, something similar to what he just did. Yeah. And not just on one run, it's going to be, they're going to be a lot of runs from him. But yeah. And, you know, we, t- we touched on Davis Mills. Now, I also want to go with some of the issues in this last game uh, before we, you know, move on, go through some of the other players in this game. On that offensive line at the guard position, Kenyon Green and AJ Can were just, they, they were an issue. They were probably the biggest issue in this game for the offense were the two starting guards. I mean, I've got seven plays from each of them that, you know, whether it's either giving up a TFL, a penalty, uh, giving up a sack. And, and Kenyon hurt the most giving up two sacks in the TFL. So uh, the guard play here, where do you go from here for? I know Kenyon's a young guy. AJ's a vet. And having this type of performance four weeks into the season, where do you go from here? Well, Last time I checked, only one guy had been to a Pro Bowl on this line. It's Laramie Tunsil. So, you know, these are your best guys. All you can do is coach them up, George Warhop, the offensive line coach, and hope that they improve. But, yeah, A.J. can. I mean, he's always been like a solid player, but he's never been viewed as one of the top guards in the league. Kenyon Green is a young player that can still get into better shape and can improve his, in his technique and improve in his discipline as far as penalties and – 
post versus stunt and pass pro. <laughs> oh man, and po- post snap, uh, you know, anger, yes. all these things. But he is a work in progress, and I love the the feistiness and the power. And sometimes I like the quickness and the footwork. But what he'll be like after an off season in the weight room. And a full, you know, yes, with no knee surgery, point. it'll be next year. It's going to when we're talking about him, we'll be like, wow, yeah, this guy absolutely. is really one of the top young guards. But right and now, a great way to bring it back full circle. And it's just it ugly right now. Yeah, and absolutely. This is the growing pains. He is emblematic of the status of the team. So, you know, whether it's a Jalen Petrie missing a tackle, but also getting a couple of interceptions the week before or missing more tackles or. Well, let's talk about Jalen Petrie. All right, so I pushed it off a little bit before he he hit a break. um, There's no other way to say He's a rookie. He's going to develop. He has shown a missed talent. He had good plays in this game, but he tries to press Gerald Everett early on, gives up a two-yard window. Herbert, easy pitch and catch to Everett for a touchdown. Uh, Misses a TFL on third and two on Jerry Hughes, explodes into the backfield and just has him a free shot at a running back, ends up giving up the first down on just a missed tackle on the TFL. Got stuck on the uh, DeAndre Carter block. We're talking a little slot guy, and you're getting stuck on a block when the back's getting outside for a big run. Then he got stuck on, stuck on his own player. I don't know how this happens, but he got sick. Kirko, Christian Kirksey was stuck on a block on one of those long touchdown runs. And Jalen Petrie was literally straddling Kirko's right leg stuck on him with backs just getting outside contained to the outside. This was a brutal game from Jalen Petrie. Um, we're four weeks in. He, Like you said, he has shown immense upside, but he's costing games at this point right now. How do you reel him in and understand you've got to, you've got to make the the basics. I don't know. Jason is, is a really honest answer. I know that he's well coached by Joe Dana and by Lovey Smith and by what he got at Baylor, but David Ronda. But you know, you're asking a lot, and you're asking him to play at a winning level right away with no experience in the NFL. And he's giving the team a fighting chance, but he's also for every play that he makes, there's some plays that he doesn't make. Fair and enough. You hope for a young player to find a consistent barometer. Right now, he's not there, and he's four games into his NFL career. So, you know, you hope it'll improve. I mean, it won't be from a lack of diligence, or I mean, he deeply cares about it, and he's. Oh yeah, you can see. Yeah, yeah, you can never see passion, but yeah, this with is him, you never feel like. He doesn't. He doesn't blow off these mistakes and just say, "Oh, you know, whatever." I completely. Uh, I completely agree. I completely yeah, agree. But when but, uh, we're breaking down, when we're breaking down the game and why you're the worst team in the league. You owe three and one. Uh, great, great kid feels bad about it. Has to be better. Somebody's making these mistakes every game, and the Texans secondary on the defense is is making more than anybody in the league. All right, so we're going to uh, move ahead. We put the pass in the past. We got Aaron for one more segment here on episode 11 tonight. Before we look ahead to week five to the Jaguars, uh, let's take another quick second out You know, for our sponsors, Prime Social Poker Club. If you're in the Houston area and you're looking to get in the game, 
There's no better place than Prom Social. This is Houston's longest standing poker room with a stellar reputation for class and quality, uh, upscale environment, fuel, fully stocked bar, gourmet dining, pool tables, dozens of poker tables everywhere. You can get in it whether you're playing No Limit Hold'em, whether you're paying, playing PLO, uh, if you want tourneys, they've got daily and nightly tourneys, they've got cash games. They open daily at 10 a.m., 24 7, 365, and they don't close to the last person leaves. If you don't leave, they don't either. That's how serious the game is there. And you can also catch me out every other Friday. I was just out there with Reese this past Friday uh, on on the podcast there. They stream on the live table out there every Friday. Every other week, I'll jump on out there with Reese. We're blending the Houston Football Show with Prime Social Poker Club, one of the title sponsors here for the Houston Football Show. You have to go check it out. Go get in the game. they got great tournaments coming up. Uh, If you're not going out to check out the Astros, go play some poker. Watch the Astros next Tuesday, a week from the night, kick off the uh, kick off the playoffs as they go and bring them another World Series back to the H. All right, Prime Social Poker Club getting a game 7801 Westheimer. All right, we're back in. I want to jump right into it because we only got Aaron for one more segment. So we got to look ahead to the Jack uh, to the Jaguars here. Two and two, tied for the division lead with the Titans at two and two. Texans only winless team in the, in football at 03 and one. Texans, glass half full, they're 8-0. I know these are different teams, Aaron, but Houston is 8-0, and it was a different team last year. Even though the Jaguars were bad, Texans only had four wins and two of them were against Jacksonville. They always figure out a way to beat Jacksonville since 2018. 8-0, they need a win, then they've got to buy and refresh. Uh, Is this just a stat, or is this something that could hold true again as Houston goes to Jacksonville desperate? Well, there's been a difference in the quarterback play. You know, a year ago, you know, obviously, uh, Trevor Lawrence's first game wasn't wasn't there. Then Davis Mills outplayed him, and I thought that was one of the major games that you say, "Oh, well, head to head, top overall pick of the draft outplayed by a third round pick." And sure. so these are things I know people have a super short memory, but you know, I can remember clear as days being there and watching and seeing you know, him connect with Brandon Cooks and playing with a lot of confidence and mm-hmm. Tremont Smith run back a kickoff and thinking, wow, you know, this was a pretty good win. It was one of, uh, I think they won consecutive games that uh, stretch. And that was uh, when they were playing you know, pretty hard for David Cully in uh, sort of the high watermark of the, the very short-lived David Cully era. Sure. What they've had a difference is they've been able to pass protect. They've had better turnover ratio. Absolutely. Yes. But if you look at where Jacksonville is now, Jacksonville is a significantly upgraded roster with absolutely expensive free agents, uh, including, you know, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and, you know, everything that they've done to try to get better. And Trevor Lawrence doesn't have the drama of Urban Meyer surrounding him this year and the whole team, whole organization doesn't have to deal with that. Doesn't have to deal with uh, you know, some other staff that uh well, are gone yeah, as well. Absolutely uh, as well covered a little circus up, down there. Muck, we'll muck up the works behind the scenes here and there, but uh yeah, I, don't wanna, I, don't, I don't want to name any names. Uh, just, <laughs> I got you. Yeah, you know, a little you, bit this, this is an inside thing between you and I right now. But, uh, I know what I, I'm picking you know, up. You know, there. you know who I'm talking about. I know anyway, what's going on there. My point yeah. is, is yes. that this game will be hard to win, and yes, they're due for a better performance. But until they show me that they can stop the run, 
They yeah. cannot stop the run. <laughs> and I worry about the linebacker play. Well, that's that a great point because you've got James Robinson, Travis Etienne, especially when you're talking about uh, the ability to receive as well. And what we've seen from the Texas run defense, uh, after four weeks, can you sell as a coaching staff to the media or to the fans, whoever you're selling it to, that they're going to fix this? Uh, it's four weeks into the season now, and you keep seeing the same issues with tackling and not being able to stop the running game, not being able to contain uh, Robinson and ETN. Is this going to be bloodshed again? I don't know if they're going to be able to stop both those backs. I mean, they've done a good job with Robinson in the past. It's just different right now, and I think confidence is low in this run defense, and it's just tackling is a skill. It's not just like rebounding or defense in basketball. It's not just desire. It's how you do it. And some people are better at it than others. And they are right now, you have to go off what we've seen. We can't say, well, they might do this. They might do that. What they're showing us is they're a poor tackling team that arm tackles, that doesn't hit and drive and bring people down to the ground. And I'm not seeing other than the players, obviously they're going to try, but where's sure. the level of optimism if you're not changing the personnel? Lovey Smith said, I asked him, are you changing the personnel? The only change I'm seeing is Cashman is out because of the concussion, so Wallow will play. But, you know, Wallow is just a couple weeks removed from the ankle. And, right. you know, so he's still a young player, still establishing himself. Until you have, like, Harris, maybe Wallow, out there with one of the older players, like Kamu Great or, point. or Christian Kirksey, I just don't see that you're going to really have a chance to evaluate this linebacker spot. And the D-line's got to make more plays. they got to build a wall. And that means Roy Lopez. That means Malik Collins, Jerry Hughes, John Grenard. They're, and, they're getting moved. They're getting moved off the spot, and yep. there's nobody there to Smaller fill the group, void. Really, um, yeah. There isn't anyone as big as, say, like VT, Vincent Taylor, that they had last year before he broke his ankle. They don't really have that heavy-duty guy. And then, you know, they're starting to get Kurt Heinish back up to speed. But, I mean, Kurt is an undrafted guy, and you know, yeah. I expect him to hold his own. But there are way too many tackles by the safeties. There's way too much spacing. It is a lot of easy pickings with the hole easy. so big. I mean, and you're bringing course, in Bandy, and he's just finding the soft part of the zone on big catches and pivotal moments. I mean, that's that can't happen there. But uh, let's look at the glass half full side of it. We we know all the negative. It's well covered. All that Houston being, if the Jaguars, you know, could get upset here. I, I don't know if I want to call it an upset, but if the Texans can go down to uh, Jacksonville and pull out the win couple of the strengths on the defense, first in the NFL in goal to goal, seventh in red zone, ninth in sacks per pass attempt, and 12th in interception rate. Trevor's still a young guy, second year in the league, second offense, second head coach, a lot of moving pieces there, a lot of free agency as well. Can the Texans play to this strength, and can you see a situation where Houston is able to get that first win? Yes, and it's because of – a player that wears number 31, Damian Pierce. Okay. And if, if Damian goes off, they have a chance to be in the game or win the game. And a lot hinges on how he performs. And he is really the engine of this offense and the best weapon they have. And he showed it, the breakaway speed, everything you want to see from a back he's showing right now, including ball security this past game. So – He's Absolutely. one of these guys who plays hungry. He's humble about it. He's 
very appreciative of his blockers. And, you know, like he said, he might have to get these guys some food or something uh, and take care of the guys. And uh, everything you should like about a football player and a young person that really plays the game the right way is Damian Pierce. And so, yeah, I think he really is um, exemplifies what they're trying to do. And he's fun, right? Like talking to him. Yeah, he's oh, a fun guy. He's uh, fun loving. He's good with all of us, the, the the regulars, the guys that were all there every day. And he is cool. And I think it just says a lot about him. He's very commendable. And I enjoy the running style because it, what is it? It's downhill. It's fast. It's explosive. You know, is he trucking every single guy? No, but you know you're in a game with him. Like he's yeah. – and He's at the end of the game, back, you know you played against him. Uh, what's that cliche? Be the hammer, not the nail. He's the hammer. Absolutely. Jaguars D might surprise people. Top five in a couple categories. Third in interception rate. Fourth in points a game. And fifth in rush yards of play. So it's pretty talented D that Damian Pierce is going to go up against in that rush game. Uh, they're also eighth in goal to go and 15th in the red zone. Part of that defense, rookie uh, – t- Tell us about Devin Lloyd, who's second in the NFL in pass defense as a rookie linebacker with six, uh, fifth in interceptions with two, and eighth in tackles with 38. And the guy next to him's tied with 38 in tackles at the inside linebacker position. He's also got three TFLs and two fumble recoveries. Uh, these two inside linebackers, especially that rookie Devin Lloyd, uh, what, what have you heard about them or seen from them? Right. They're really active, and they're really good athletes. They paid a lot for – uh, and free agency for the veteran. And then for the rookie, they draft him in the first round. For you to draft an off-the-ball linebacker in the first round, they have to be really special. And he's Absolutely. a great athlete. He's as good an athlete, if not better, than most running backs. He's just as fast. Uh, I would say, you know, I would like his chances in a race against, you know, Damian Pierce. He's that fast. All right, before I let you get out of here, got to get your thoughts on the game and how you see it playing out. On that offense, you know, Christian Kirk's their number one guy. He's averaging over 16 yards a catch, has three touchdowns. We know him from down in this area uh, from college, obviously. Zay Jones comes over free agent. He's played well. If he's not healthy, Jamal Agnew, we know Trevor Lawrence likes to go short a lot. Uh, Agnew, two touchdowns when he stepped up this past week with Zay Jones out. These guys here, how do the Texans slow him, especially with Christian Kirk, excuse me, playing most of his reps out of the slot? Well, there's some matchups that are difficult. You know, you're going to need a lot from your safeties. You're going to need a lot from Desmond King. You're going to have to get coverage from other players beyond Derek Stingley and Steven Nelson. You know, Steven Nelson and Derek Stingley have had their moments. They played pretty well. This is a improving secondary, but yeah, it's not going to be easy. And it's a challenging matchup, and Trevor Lawrence can make all of the throws. He's a good quarterback. There's a reason why he's the prototype, why he was picked first overall. Tough matchup, but you know, all of them. How are do tough you see it? Before you get out of here, Aaron, uh, and if you want to put some raisin canes on it, let me know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's, uh, let's how do you see it? Are, um, are, are Texas 0 4 1 at 5? Or 9 0 against Jacksonville? Yeah, I lost last week, and I, I owe you uh, some food, and I, and I intend to, uh, to pay up on the bet. But let's, um, let's do it again, and I'm okay. going to double down. I'm going to predict the Texans pull off an upset 
and I'll be the homer on this one and and say that they go nine games in a row against Jacksonville. And if you want to take the Jags, that's fine with me. And uh, we can change up the bet, or we can. Uh, you know what? Different. I was actually going to surprise you and take Texans. I thought you thought you were going to go Jaguars, but okay. I love I love my Raising Canes. I love my Raising Canes. All uh, right. I'm a, Davis Mills has struggled on the road. Five touchdowns, eleven interceptions. Coming off uh, coming off this last game, going on the road to Jacksonville. Jacksonville defense impressed. I, I have no issue with this. I, give me Jacksonville. Okay, and I am going to. Send you a gift card because that might be the fastest way to. Uh, there you go. Something. It will get used tomorrow. I love me some raising canes again. Raising canes. Houston Football Show at Gmail. Couple spots remaining. Aaron, man, thank you for your time. Always appreciate you coming on, having a little fun. Uh, you know, being a great sport with everything as well. And thank you for all the wonderful nuggets you dropped this evening here on the Houston Football Show. You can hear Aaron drop it on our show each week. Not only during the football season, but year-round, every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. All your podcast platforms, YouTube, or just see the stream right there on Twitter. Thank you for your time, Aaron. All right. Thank you. All right. For, uh, before we get back into the show, let's hear another quick word from our sponsors. We'll get back into uh, some of my thoughts of what we've seen here and how we fix some of these issues. But up next, Inside Edge and Prime Social Poker Club. Prom Social Poker Club opens daily at 10 a.m. and doesn't close until the last person leaves. Now, that's 24-7, 365 days a year, so you can always get your poker game on at Prime. Also, daily, free play starting at 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. with happy hour from 4 to 9 p.m. They have daily and nightly tournaments with buy-in starting as low as $60 and going as high as $5,000. Now, check this out. Guaranteed prize money as large as $2 million. What are you waiting for? Get in the game. Prime Social Poker Club here locally in Houston, 7801 Westheimer. We've told you about the endless insights at Inside Edge, but let us tell you about the real gold mine. They're five-star picks. And in the 2021 NFL season, Inside Edge went 34 and 14 against the spread for a success rate of 70.8. And now you have access to these five-star picks for only $20 per pick or get the deal of the lifetime. Every five-star pick for the entire year for only $149. Even better, our listeners get a discount of 10% on that access by using code HOUSTON. That's code HOUSTON. I rolling solo the rest of the way. Well, I got my guy Mark Larson from My Logic Media with me behind the glass, I guess, it's so to speak. Um, just glass several states away in this case. All right. So we've talked about how do you fix the run defense? And, it, and we all know it has to be fixed at this point. Austin Eckler was the worst running back statistically in the NFL through three weeks. He was averaging 2.5 yards per carry and had zero touchdown. He comes in to Houston, enjoys his visits, leaves NRG with uh, three touchdowns, three total touchdowns and 4.6 yards per carry. He almost doubled his yards per carry. This it doesn't matter what back and playing in the AFC South, particularly, you're going to see talented backs. You're going to see Jonathan Taylor, as you already seen. You're going to see Derrick Henry. 
You're going to see Travis Etienne and James Robinson. This has to get fixed, and it needs to get fixed before the bye because you haven't been able to take any of these 50-50 games, whether you've started slow, whether you started late, whether you've started slow and late, or whatever. They haven't played four quarters, and they're 0-3-1 at this point. This has to get fixed. Up front, Jonathan Grenard. And Malik Collins with offside penalties. And then Malik also had a holding penalty as well. The offsides, I want to say, on Malik was like a third and four. You can't have this. You can't keep giving away first downs when you're already giving missed tackles. And you're giving first downs on penalties. You can't stop anybody in the running game. You've given up the most 20-plus yard receptions to wide receivers in the entire NFL. Other than that, you're playing great. D-tackles can't get moved so far wide and back. The holes are too massive. Now, this is an excuse for the linebackers and safeties, but when the linebackers and safeties come up the field and they have to beat a block or get off a block or whatever, you can't have guys like Thomas Booker and Malik Collins that are getting pushed two to three yards back. Now, Malik is great at shooting that gap, getting through there, making penetration and wrecking plays, but he's also great getting pushed two to three yards back and, and away from the line as well. These are massive holes that guys can't come up and fill, and it's leading to some of the missed tackles. Aaron was right. Tackling isn't hard for him. You still, if you're getting paid millions of dollars to tackle, you still got to tackle the man. If you're getting paid millions of dollars to catch a football, catch the damn football. So the thing is, though, it's even when one person messes up, especially in football and team sports in general, there's a domino effect. So if your D tackles are getting mopped out the way, a linebacker can't come up against a, one of the top athletes in the world and top running backs in the in the NFL week after week playing this type of competition and be asked to cover a space like a soccer net and trying to guess which way the penalty kick's going. These guys are great too. They get paid millions as well to make you miss. You've got to you've got to do your job. To oversimplify, it, you have to do your job so the man behind you job is easier. And on that first and second level, particularly in the running game, the job is making the job for the secondary that much harder. They're overworked. That being said, they've got to be better. But you need that second tier, those linebackers to be better, and they need that D-line to be better. And right now, you're not seeing it from any of the three levels on that defense. If they're going to beat the Jaguars, you've got to do it against Robinson and ETN, not only in the running game, but let me tell you, Travis ETN in the passing game has insane contact balance. You can't run up and throw a shoulder and try to get a highlight hit on this guy. He'll take the impact and keep his balance. You have to take him to his ground. If they don't have legs, they can't run. Wrap those legs up, bring them down to the ground. But you've got to simplify for the guys, particularly trying to make tackles in space by not, you know, making their margin of error less. Shed your block quicker. Contain your edge. Get out to the edges. Make it harder for them on the simple stuff. Linebackers, you need someone to keep Christian Kirksey clean. Linebackers have uh, – Christian Kirksey has the second most missed tackles with five among linebackers, and the Texans, the Texans have nine. Now, I think that's the second most among linebacker groups with Christian Kirksey having more than half of those five. You have to keep him clean. And he's a little bit long in the tooth at this point. Not the same player from his younger days. Still a talented player. Garrett, Garrett Wallow, Cashman Hurt, 
if Wallow comes in and steps up and takes those reps, Aaron brings up another great point where he talks about sub packages. So Wallow's only coming on, uh, you know, when you're in your base defense and 70% of the time, give or take, you're in sub packages. So Kamu and Christian Kirksey's on the field. But when Wallow's on the field and he's taking those reps in base, You've got to, and also three three five. They've been doing some three three five on uh, known passing situations as well. So in those situations, Wallow's a guy that can take on those blocks and keep Kirks, Kirksey clean, which should help Kirksey. We're talking about doing your job to help somebody else. This past game took on two blocks to keep Kirksey clean. Kirksey flows through the ball and makes the tackle. You need more of that. Uh, and, and you need to see that from your guys that are in there down in, down out, Kamu and Christian Kirksey more so. And Kamu doesn't deserve to be in that conversation with Kirksey because Kirksey's just been so bad with the missed tackles. DBs, they have to contain outside. They cannot get stuck on their own blocks. They cannot get too far inside. They can't keep cheating in. They've got to be more consistent. You're giving up peewee football, college football type touchdowns where guys are just flowing to the outside and and walking in from 20 yards out. It's insane to watch. It's hard to watch. All you've got to do is play basic football and not give up outside on bootlegs. And when you see it on one drive and they see how bad you are at it, and they come back back to it on the same exact drive, the same play, and gas you again with it. It looked like you were a kid playing Madden and the opposing team just kept calling the same play because they realized you don't know how to play defense. That, that's hard to watch. Defense has to cut out all of the missed tackles and all the penalties that keep drives alive and, um, when you should be able to get off the field. And the offense plays into the defense as well. Uh, offense getting those first downs, converting third downs at a higher rate keeps that defense, defense fresh vice versa they all yin and yang to it all there's a balance to everything not to get philosophical but there's a balance to everything and the thing is that with this with this defense and this offense when they both get going they can really start clicking this game against the chargers chargers came out and scored three touchdowns on the first four drives Davis Mills late in that second quarter started to get going, really started doing good in that third quarter uh, and started putting things together throughout the rest of the day. They were down 27 to seven at halftime and had a chance to come back and win this game down 27, 21, 30, 16 uh, Mills makes the play. They hit fair um, OJ Howard, but PI guy got there early. No PAI call. OJ looked to the ref, asking for the flag, did not get the call. They kicked the field goal. They're down 27-24. You get the call there, and it's as simple as that. The play was made. You've got to get the call. Somebody hits you early and knocks your hands off of the, the, the mesh point, the catch point. You can't catch the ball. That's not on OJ. It's not on Davis Mills. It's on the ref missing the call, and it happens. It's as simple as that. But if you get that, you're in the red zone first and goal, and if you punch that in for a touchdown while they were really moving the ball at that point, you're up 28-27 after being down 27 27 to seven at halftime to a Chargers team with Justin Herbert. So there were some good to take away. You don't have to be so quick to bury Davis Mills. I have no emotions involved. If Davis Mills is the guy, he makes millions of dollars. I don't get a cut of it. If Davis Mills isn't the guy, Texans draft the quarterback high in the draft. And we follow his career. I tweet you out stats, good and bad, tell you what I see on film. You make whatever you make of it. 
Quit being so bought into your opinion that you have to be right and you don't just watch the valuation process. There's zero at stake at this point. You have the worst record in football. You're 0-3-1. and If you're pulling for wins, cool. They, you, you hope that they beat Jacksonville, go to the bye, and can cling in for a playoff spot. If you're bought in on a, on a quarterback prospect and you hate Davis Mills, then fine. You want Davis Mills to go out there and play. Quit being so emotional about it. I'm going to continue to tell the story on all the prospects. And like I said, this past week, it was more to do with the offense, particularly those two guards, A.J. Cannon and the rookie Kenyon Green, the three drops from the wide receivers. I mean, they've got seven drops. Listen, let this set in. The wide receivers dropped three passes in this game. They have seven on the season. They dropped almost half as many passes uh, in this game as they did on the season, and they've got the second most wide receiver drops in the NFL. That's an issue. The offensive line play this past week was an issue. The week before in Chicago, pass protection was a thing of beautiful, uh, a beauty, excuse me. That was on Davis Mills. He should have played better in that game. First three weeks, he should have played better. This past week, he's growing, he's developing. He was at home. Take that into account as well. Uh, he plays better at home. Uh, so I I wouldn't tilt too far one way or the other. I wouldn't toot my horn. He's a bust. I wouldn't toot my horn that he's a franchise guy. I would watch him go into week five when you've got the worst record in football. And if you're a Texas fan, I don't know. might be crazy. Hope that he develops and continues, continues to put it together. So all that collateral you can use at other positions. And you continue to stay ahead of the salary cap by not paying a quarterback 40 to 50 million under today's rate for a franchise guy. I don't know. Let it play out. Or an Aaron Rodgers word. Relax. How do you fix the offense? It starts up front. They can't keep killing plays, drives, and costing turnovers. Too many mistakes. Already touched on, especially on the interior. Wide receivers play at a high cue. Be alert to coverage. Know where you should position for back shoulder. When your quarterback's under pressure, know that you may have to adjust your route for a back shoulder. Know when to sit in zone, what's in front of you, what the quarterback's seeing, what's behind you, and where's the soft spot and where you have to sit, not where you think you're open, but where you're open for the window for the quarterback to fit it through all of the players that's underneath in a zone coverage. Or maybe you have to keep running through and not sit and get to the next clear uh, clear next window. Four weeks into the season, no excuse. you got to be on the same page. Biggest thing for the wide receivers, catch the damn ball. It's that simple. And I'm saying it every week. You get paid millions. And people say, well, what's money got to do about it? Well, let me unexplain. So there was this paper that was invented. And we put this mythical power on it that said, hey, this has value to it. And the whole world is based off of that. Now, if you're really good at stuff, they'll pay you a lot of money to do this. Well, NFL wide receivers are the top athletes in the world. And what they do is create space, get open, and catch a football. And they get paid millions of dollars to do so. So that's what it's got. When you get paid millions of dollars, if you get paid a million dollars to flip burgers, that better be the best damn burger I've ever ate in my life. Catch the damn ball. If Dorsett and Moore can't catch, see what Tyler Johnson can do. Four snaps. He only had four snaps this past game. I don't know what's taking it up. Yeah, you've got Moore and Dorsett dropping passes left and right. Don't know what's going on with Chris Moore. These are first down. That's leading to the lack of third down conversions. They're compounding 
issues that's already there for a second-year quarterback. Yes, a lot of it's on Davis Mills. Yes, a lot of it's on the O-line. Yes, a lot's on the wide receiver. I mean, it's more than one person that paints the picture of what an NFL offense and on the other side, what an NFL defense is. But you got to get Tyler Johnson's more involved. Uh, Aaron handed towards earlier, if the Texans may have interest, they do have the worst record in football. Uh, it is after the third week of the NFL season. So obviously now you don't go off draft order. Uh, uh, on waiver claims, you go off of current record. Texans have the worst record, so just like they'd be the first pick in the draft, they're first in waiver. So any player that gets cut has to come through Houston at this point. So they have an issue at the wide receiver position, whether even if you think Tyler Johnson's the answer, if they like Andy Isabella, uh, hasn't done much in Arizona, but if they really like him, they think he uh, they've got something that's untapped there. I have no problem at all. You could bring in a guy I see no value in. Kick the tire. You're the worst team in the NFL. You've got top priority on waivers. You're doing a disservice if you don't kick tires. And it doesn't have to be Andy and Isabella. Churn the bottom of this roster. That's what you're doing. You're building for the future while you continue to try to win these games this year. So uh, if they do bring in Andy Isabella, I, I have no issues. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But whether they bring him in or not, Tyler Johnson needs to get more reps. Whether you're eating into Chris Moore and or Dorsett, yes, please do it. Running back, improving every week, playing with max effort, maximum opportunities. And, you know, I went on a little bit of a, a rant last week because I haven't liked Burkhead's uses. And, yes, I still think you should have a, a better back, receiving back in there in the backfield. But I do take each game as a different chapter in the book and uh, reanalyze after each one. And that doesn't give them a pass on not having a better receiving back. Rex Burkhead, I think, is like tied for six most targets of running backs after four weeks into the NFL season, another week with five plus targets. That being said, I, with where your roster is at now. So taking out, not having that receiving back on your roster. Yeah. Can, I'm not saying give them a pass for that. I'm saying where you're at now with the current roster tight against the salary cap, not wanting to do too much with cap, uh, that would touch future earners with how much they've got uh, saved for the salary cap in the future and how much they can do in those positions that I understand not want to go into that future money. That's 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 where everything lies is 2023 and beyond. So I understand not wanting to get too much on money. So at this point, you want to roll with the roster. and You're the last team in the league other than those waiver ads and stuff like that. Burkhead's your number two guy. I have no problem with the way they use them in this game. And let me explain. Yes, he had five targets, but Damian Pierce was gashing that defense. So every time Rex Burkhead came in, their antennas went down a little bit. They let their guard down just a little bit. On that touchdown run, well, first off, because I critique Nico when he makes a mistake, I also want to you know, give him praise when he does something well. On that Rex Burkhead touchdown, go back and watch that. Nico has a vet rub. It's so subtle, but just enough to hold the guy up to ensure Rex Burkhead gets in the end zone. And I, that was impressive for me early in year two for Nick, Nico Collins. So you hope he continues to put it together after missing, sitting down in the zone early in a game with Davis Mills, came back, sat down perfectly on the very next pass uh, that Mills threw. Uh, in that game, uh, and and Nico got there, set to the spot perfectly, or slid to the pot spot perfectly. Excuse me. But Burkhead only had 18 snaps in this game. Damian Pierce needed a break throughout the game. He was fresh. The roster is what the roster is. And Burkhead was fresh and made the most of those targets. 
if he makes the most of it, I can't complain. The dude on thirty-four, uh, on third down and four, I think it was Nasir Adderley who came up and had Burkhead dead to rights on a check down on third to four, and Burkhead did what backs were supposed to do in that situation, make a guy miss. He quickly, upon catching the ball, put a foot in the ground, made the dude miss, and got a first down. I've been very critical of Burkhead's usage, but I can't be after this game, at least this week alone. Only 18 snaps. You didn't give him heavy work, and those work he did get – did get, excuse me, were value, valuable reps with the touchdown, the third and four conversion, a third and four conversion. I think it was another third and long. Uh, Burkhead had a carry, not a carry. Uh, oh, it was the shuffle pass, if I'm not mistaken. I uh, had a little underneath shuffle pass from Davis Mills, went right into the teeth of the uh, the defense, set it up perfectly, made a jump cup to get around, and on, a, I want to say, a third and long. Gave him a chance to make it. That was another good carry. So him being fresh, only playing 18 snaps, no issue with Burkhead's usage this week. Not that they care what my thoughts are. Tight end position. Doing better than can be expected. None of the three guys versus the Chargers were part of the plan until late in the camp. We know they went in. O.J. Howard, when he was available, they're like, oh, wow, O.J.'s available. Let's go ahead and sign this guy. Bring in O.J. Oh, Jordan Akins, we you know we need another tight end. He's, we're familiar with him. We'll bring him in as a death piece. Mason Shrek, oh, he's just a deep death piece if we need another blocking guy after Anthony R. Clare's injury. These were your three starting tight ends. And now Farrell Brown, with him being uh, cut, uh, sounds like, Sounds like there may be a little bit more behind-the-scenes uh, disagreement there with from what Aaron said earlier in the show that led to that separation. Uh, but wish Farrah Brown the best. Let him go catch on somewhere else and probably catch on a, a com- more competitive roster that fits his needs. Uh, that being said, the tight end position, I mean, for what you're working with, uh, you got you to give them credit for that, right? I mean, for what they're working with at that tight end position to get the production, and it's been minimal, but Jordan Akins is giving you good returns. Well, in the receiving game, him or OJ is not the blockers. That that you would desire. Uh, I think that's why Mason Shrek and if Tegan Quitiarino doesn't come back this year, I think Mason Shrek may have to carry some of the brunt of that load with some of the blocking. Or you never know, they might go out and add somebody as well. But uh, good note there as far as uh, the tight end position. I just think they've produced over what the expectation was this year, and to find that value with Pharaoh's injury and now being uh, them moving on from him and also the Brevin Jordan injury. And Aaron did say earlier in the broadcast he's day-to-day, so that's that would be good to get him back in the mix as well. All right, before we finish the show last segment of the night, let me tell you about our title sponsors, uh, Inside Edge. You heard me and Aaron talking about them earlier. Uh, these. These are the godfathers. These are the originals. These were the first, you know, the alpha, the omega here as it comes to analytics. Uh, Moneyball, the movie Moneyball, you've seen it in baseball analytics, really started almost 30 years ago at this point now. Well, since that time, they moved on from baseball, NBA, NFL, all sports, and they partner with a lot of these sports franchises to get these – super deep analytical numbers that are made only available to the people that are are partnered with them or, uh, you know, have the package to them. And these are professional pro franchises, all sports. You know, these are the top websites out there just giving you mind-blowing stats. Uh, These are also the um, 
you know, PR departments and the teams that are putting it out. So this all comes from Inside Edge. It's a wealth of knowledge and it's free to you now as well at myinsideedge.com. You can go check out the website, My Inside Edge. Uh, whether you're playing fantasy, gambling, whatever, uh, whatever you poison. My Inside Edge will give you that upper hand. Go check them out, myinsideedge.com. And also, uh, if you are playing against some of the lines last year in the NFL, My Inside Edge five-star picks, they went 34 and 14, 71% success rate. You can get one of these picks for $20 or go ahead and take the best deal, get picks for the entire season. All their five-star picks for only $149. That's myinsideedge.com. Go check them out. Uh, Best of luck to you the rest of the season. All right, last couple segments of the evening tonight to hear season one, episode 11 of the Houston Football Show. Thanks, Aaron Wilson, for joining me earlier as always, and also Mark Larson. And on occasion, his partner, Johnny Danger, from iLogic Media that do such a great job putting the show together and producing it here. All right, we're going to go back to Davis Mills. Aaron's was talking a little bit about him earlier. And I want to get a little bit back into Davis Mills and how the offense and defense is connected. You know, we touched on this a little bit ago. When the offense moves, it allows the defense to stay fresh. Mills doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers. Well, here's a good point quarterback in the same class. He needs to be Alex Smith. He doesn't need to be Aaron Rodgers. He needs to be Alex Smith. And what I mean by that, I don't know, there's there's a belief he he checks down, checks down, checks down. He needs to. The top quarterbacks in the league check down, and they check down at a much higher rate than Davis Mills. Mills needs to check down. This past week, he tried to fit a ball down the sideline to Chris Moore that he sailed over his head, but there was a, a penalty. I think it was holding on the defense that called it back. If he just checks it down, I mean, no harm, no foul, because the penalty brings it back. Uh, you know, the penalty gives the Texans a new first down anyway. Pass never happens. But if he takes that and checks it down to Damian Pierce, instead of trying to make that difficult throw with tight coverage down the sideline where you struggle, just check it down to Damian Pierce. There's nobody literally, this is not hyperbole, nobody literally within 15 yards of Damian Pierce when he throws that to Chris Moore. You just check it to him and let him create. You give him that much in space, one-on-one with the guy, he's, he's making a miss nine times out of ten. So take that check down. Be Alex Smith. Alex Smith had a great career. A good career. <laughs> so I added to myself. Alex Smith had a good career. Be that check down. Don't lose the the team game. Don't hurt your defense with the turnovers and the three and outs. You never go broke making a profit. You know, old sayings are old sayings for a reason. And that old saying, you never go broke making a profit. You take that three-yard gain, second and seven. You take a three-yard run, third and four. Third and four is a lot better than third and eight plus and all these third and tens you're seeing take that profit uh stay ahead of the chains if throwing on first down go high percentage lessen the chance of penalty get that ball out early because you're going to have to pick up the offense i know it don't seem fair but you're a quarterback trying to win your job and you have to overcome the obstacles around you and sometimes it's your offensive line it's your wide receivers you've got to overcome that offensive line and if they're getting those penalties you've got to get the ball out early a quicker read especially those check downs as well also we haven't seen enough rolling out right for davis mills he was I might have said, I put this sat out at the beginning of the year, what he did last year as a rookie in the NFL. Uh, he was the highest rated quarterback rolling out right. Highest, uh, highest uh, passer rating 
in the NFL among all quarterbacks when he rolls out right. Uh, he just threw it, looked comfortable, and threw dart. I don't know. There's some quarterbacks that's like this. Jake Locker couldn't do anything from the pocket, but if you got that dude out the pocket, he's throwing darts downfield all day. Play the Mills strengths. And to be fair, they did that more this past week, and that's why Davis Mills, I know you look at the stat line, the interceptions and stuff, and I I can explain that a little bit more uh, better, but I don't think this was a bad game for Davis Mills. Definitely don't think it's as horrific as it's being laid out. He actually showed his most growth and development, and it was a positive sign going off this game. They changed how they used him, though, in this game. Instead of trying all those sideline passes and deeper downfield throws, they came tighter. They pinched pinched it in towards the seams more, right outside the seams, even downfield and underneath. It was smart, and he showed that efficiency. He ranked third this week after ranking 21st, last, and 25th. The first three weeks and expected completion percentage, Davis Mills was third week four among all NFL quarterbacks. Dude was on. The team around him needed to be better. But when they're struggling like that, he has to make adjustments. And uh, and Pep also has to make adjustments, too, to play him to a string. Get him outside the pocket, rolling out more to his right. Uh, and then when you do bootleg, how about have somebody chip? Or block Khalil Mack? I don't know. That Khalil Mack guy, I heard he's pretty good. He might not want a fourth and one when everybody's pressed on the line to run a run a boot out there with nobody chipping or blocking Khalil Mack at all. I mean, that, mm, a little silly. Get on the same page with Nico Collins. Whether it's Nico or Mills, we're four games into year two for both of these guys. They've been around each other since they've drafted. Fix it. You are a pro starting quarterback and a pro number two wide receiver. Think about that. There's only 32 NFL teams. You're starting, unless you're an 11 personnel more, you're starting two wide receivers. You're two base wide receivers. There's only 64 of those guys in the entire NFL, the entire world. There's 64 guys that are starting wide receivers. Four weeks into the year, you're drafted with this quarterback. There's way too many disconnects and miscommunications. That needs to be fixed right now. And it's another way you fix that offense with the whole. You're not trying to. You're not trying to plug a hole with a speckle here. There's a bunch of little tiny pinholes that need to be plugged. And everybody needs to plug those holes. And Davis Mills needs to be alert and aware of the holes in the players' games around him and and play to that and develop. And you have to be consistent for four quarters. Stay away from the big mistake. Go to the next read. Take the sack or throw it away. Yeah, he he threw that first interception at the beginning of the game. I don't care about the last interception. It's fourth and 15. Kenyon Green uh, got caught on a holding call. It's a lose-lose situation. Davis Mills throws an 80-yard touchdown, comes back for Kenyon's holding. Throws incomplete. They declined the penalty. He runs out of bounds. They declined the penalty. Game over. Game over. There's It's a lose-lose situation. I don't I don't care about that interception. The first interception, yes, you have to be alert of what's coming and not try to force it uh, in that situation. But Titus pitched a shutout against Khalil Mack. Let me lead with that. Titus was the Texans' best offensive lineman in this game. Wasn't close. One play. He wish he could have back, and it's not truly on him. I don't know if it's a true stunt or just Khalil Mack playing back inside uh, just right off memory, but the D tackle started coming inside the can, and then Mack played off of that going off the back of the uh, D tackle, his D tackle towards the inside. So Titus trying to cross over kind of gets picked 
by AJ Can and the D tackle. Uh, AJ Can's blocking, trying to get through. He gets a hand on Khalil, but it's not enough to where Khalil actually hits Davis Mills while he's throwing that first pass. Causes a pass to sell interception there. That being said, yes, cause and effect on what caused the interception. Still, Davis Mills early in the game. You have to be alert. You have to know that's closing in. You have to see it, and you can't make that throw. If you have to take the sack early, you got to take that. Um, you've got to dirt the ball. Whatever happens, you know, make it happen. You can't turn it over first series of the game on your own territory and just start the day that way, especially with all the struggles and how the season start, especially with yourself. So that's one area. Uh, that's definitely one area as well. Now, when dropping back, lastly on Davis Mills, when he's dropping back, he needs to assume he's going to get blindside hit every time and hold on to the ball accordingly. You can't fumble every hit. Yes, Kenyon Green's getting you blasted. Guys are giving up shots to you. Uh, you're blindside. You're taking shots. Uh, you're giving up sacks. You have to know what's happened now. You can't have amnesia and be like, oh, man, I just got blindsided and fumbled. When it keeps happening every game, you have to keep your head on a swivel or at least be alert to know that, hey, I could take a blind a blindside hit here. And if I take that, the sack's going to be bad, but a fumble could cost us a game. Especially when you when you got two interceptions in this game, you're sitting there, you're fumbling. You've been real lucky, lucky with the way that pigskin has bounced that oval shaped ball uh, and come back to your team. Extremely lucky several times to uh, to not have so many uh, lost fumbles uh, because he keeps putting on the ground every time he gets hit. So Mills has a lot in his own game he needs to work on, but the guys around him have to have to help him out as well. All right, lastly, are the Texans out of it in a year of AFC parity? Uh, AFC, there's only three teams over 500, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Bills, eight teams, two and two. Jacksonville and Tennessee among them in the AFC South tied for first. Four one-win teams. The Texans, whether you say they should be 4-0, 3-1, 2-2, 1-3, whatever you think they should be, and I know the old adage, uh, you know, you are what your record says you are, and I guess there is some truth to that, obviously. That being said, though, this is a team that if they just fix the minor things, they're in first place in the AFC South. So you look at the schedule ahead, and yes, this is glass half full. Do I believe this is going to happen? No. But when I cover the team, I look at it, I, I'm intrigued. Are they mailing it in? Is it time to go ahead and start looking at draft evaluations early? Or is this a team that the players are going to stand up and the coaches are like, man, let's win this game this week, get to the bye, and then just figure out a way to chip it out? You're a game and a half back of Jacksonville and Tennessee. None of these teams are good. None of these teams. Those teams that are three and one, the Miami, Kansas City, Buffalo, if they're healthy and they're they're getting hit with injuries as well, those teams, those teams can be really good. The rest of these teams is, is AFC parity. So, yes, if you want to tank, then this doesn't pertain to you. But if you want to see football and you want to see Houston win, you want to see Davis Mills develop and progress, uh, then I guess listen to this last segment. If not, you just in on the number one pick and not if they're into these games and if, if the players are going to buy in and try to win. This last segment of the show, go ahead and check out early. Houston at Jacksonville, 2-2. Two and two. They've beat Jacksonville eight times in a row since 2018. 
beat you twice, beat you twice, beat you twice, beat you eight times in a row. Yes, this is a different Jacksonville team, but they've been a different team for straight years, and the Texans just seem to have their number. How good is Jacksonville? Like, is this an unsurmountable team? They be, Let's look at their wins. They beat Indy, who's won two and one, and the Texans tied. Now, they did have a really great win over the Chargers. Uh, that's two and two, and, and they beat them by a substantial margin. I think it was three to four touchdowns somewhere around there. And they haven't got blown out any losses. They lost two road, road games to Washington and Philly. This isn't a surmountable you know, challenge to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. They are much better. They're better on defense. They're better on offense. That being said, if you just take care of the basics – on offense and defense, because special teams playing great, especially MJ Stewart. The last, I mean, fake punt on fourth and one, converts it, then pops DeAndre Carter for the fumble to give the Texans a chance uh, to come back in that game. Shout out to MJ Stewart, great plays there on special teams. The whole unit as a whole, really. Then you get the bye week to refresh. Maybe you get Mario Addison back. Maybe you get Tavier Thomas back. Uh, you get the refresh, reassess the situation. Uh, personnel guys can look around the entire league, see if there's different guys and pieces that can, can help you and go back, look at your own film, self-scout, self-evaluate, see if you're missing on something, make adjustments. Then you get the Raiders. The Raiders have one. They're one and three. And I know they're sitting there saying Houston's 0-3 and 1. That's not lost on me. I get it. But I'm talking about from Houston's perspective. And if they're out of it for this year, if they're completely going to tank and mail it in and get the number one pick, or if there's a, uh, a chance in these next six games to really make a push in the AFC South to make it interesting. Maybe you don't win it. Maybe you don't get one of the seven wild cards. Maybe you're one of the nine teams that don't make the playoffs. <laughs> the few. Um, but maybe you win it. So you get the Raiders that have one win. They beat Denver from a not by nine points. You know how bad Denver was. You should have beat Denver. Houston should have beat Denver. Jacksonville beat Indy and the Chargers. Houston should have beat Indy and the Chargers. Then they get the Titans after that or two and two. Who the Titans beat? One and three Las Vegas and one two and one Indy. They beat two teams with one win. You know who <laughs> the Texans should have beat? Yeah, 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 yeah. You, you get it. Then you've got Philly. That's a different story. 4-0, looking like the true powerhouse of the NFL. Things can change, especially several weeks out. I think that's five weeks out um, You know, with the bye week and uh, three games before that. But 4-0, they're playing like one of the best teams in football right now. Uh, anything happened, any given Sunday, all that, yada, yada, yada. Just mark that as an L. I'm fine with that. We don't even count that and mark that as an L. Then you get the 3-1 Giants. Are you impressed with the 3-1 Giants? They beat. Two and two Tennessee. We just told you who they beat. Two one-win teams. They beat two and two Chicago. Yep, another team the Texans should have beat. That's one-dimensional offense. And they beat one and three Carolina. You want to know how bad the Giants blew out these bad Tennessee, Chicago, and Carolina teams? They won by one, three, and eight points. The Giants at three and one is a winnable game. And then you get Washington, who's one and three. Who did Washington win in their one game? Two and two Jacksonville, who you play this week, and they beat them by six points. None of this stuff is written. If the Texans players and coaches and front office are buying are bought in to getting back in the AFC South, and I know the grumpy, what was the major league? I know the Texans fan that's sitting there like, which one is it, Randy Quaid on major league, and he's got the black 
electric tape with his hat inside out. All the fans are getting excited because they're coming back. It, you've got those type of fans in every city. You've got those Texans fans. And not to pick on Texans fans, you've got them in every sport in every city. But if you're that fan and you're like, oh, bah, humbug, oh, yeah, they're about to come back on the Chargers. Well, the Chargers have some players out. I, stop. <clears throat> it's, it's not for me. I just hit the mute button. It's a short life. I'm at a phase where I want zero drama with anybody. I've got no issue with anybody in the world. I'm not going to debate back with you on Twitter why I'm putting out evaluations and stats. I'm telling you the story. This is it. And for those that are at least open to the idea, and I don't know, maybe you're right to be written off to the fact that the Texans are going to tank, going to get that number one pick. I don't have that feeling, especially with the players. Even the coaches, I don't have that feeling like, yeah, we got to get that number one pick next year. You're not gonna, you might not be here next year, especially the way a lot of them play it. <laughs> you might not be here next year. Go out there and win. You're in a weak division, AFC South, and you're playing the leader in that division, Jacksonville, this week, the other leader in the division in three weeks after you get a bye. You've got two and two Jacksonville, one and three Las Vegas, two and two Tennessee. Then you got the four and oh Eagles, three and one Giants for Gazy, Washington, one and three. No, I'm not buying any of this. The Texans could easily get back in this hunt. They have to do the simple things right consistently. That's all they have to do. And they can get back in the AFC South. Will they? I have no no clue. I absolutely have no clue. I mean, they could be 4-0 and they're 0-3-1. So, I mean, I can't buy in on that. You see me trying to get Raising Canes out of the deal every week. The difference between a win and a loss in the AFC this year is paper thin. Everyone beating each other is in one-score games. They're just beating up on each other. The same bad teams beating the same bad team. The only difference with Houston is that as a team, they make every mistake that cause these one-score games to tilt the other direction. It's that simple. They're in every one of these games. But it's not just them. Almost every team in the NFL is in every one of these games. It's a game of inches, and the Texans' margin of error is so thin, and they make every mistake that causes them the game. They have the ability to win it. They could easily be 2-2 two and two and be tied for first. Glass half empty. So if Grump, if the uh, Randy Quaid hasn't left, we're going to go glass half empty. I want to appease you. The team isn't any good and can't win any games, and we'll get the top pick in the draft. You're playing with house money. You have nothing to lose. Why so definitely critical week in, week out on a third round pick in his 15th start? He hasn't even started an entire NFL season. In college, the knock is that he was injured and didn't get enough playing time. He was going to have to learn and you know, learn on the job training in the NFL, which is hard to get. And you rarely see it, especially from guys that need to develop. And that's why there's always talk about a developmental league in the NBA. You don't have triple A, double A, single A. You don't have all of that. So this is what live reps look for quarterbacks that have upside and the potential to develop in something. Make your peace with it. Enjoy the show. See if he develops. If not, guess what? There'll be a new quarterback next year. It's that easy. Glass half full. Cut the dumb stuff out, and they beat Jacksonville. They beat Las Vegas. They beat Tennessee. Is it likely? No. Is it possible? Absolutely. 
They're the worst opponents. In the next three games, Philly is the only legit team. Let's not act like the Giants and Washington are powerhouses that Houston has to be scared of. You've got five winnable games in the next six games. Are they going to win five in the next six games? No. I'm going to bet no. I'll bet you're raising canes on it. I'm, I'm getting greedy now. Aaron's giving me all the chicken fingers and all the sweet tea. All right, here's the truth of the 2022 Texans. They've lost four winnable games. No one expected them in these games. Now they need to win. Five of these next six games are winnable. Very few elite teams this year. Injuries are piling up week in, week out on every team. Philly's the only elite one. What do they want? Do the Texans decide they want to win, or do they decide they want to be the laughingstock for another year? Last place team, another topic. They want to be Jacksonville this year and wait for reinforcements in 2023. If so, fans, I get it. I'd get if they'd check out. If, But I don't think the players and teams are checking out. And I don't think they're playing a level of competition around the NFL and particularly the AFC South that should make these players and coaches check out. Do they want to be the team that started 0-3-1 and push for a wild card? They write their history. Now, I get called. You can always tell if you're doing a good job of telling the bad side and the good side. And you're just telling it fair what you see on film. Here's the strengths. Here's the weaknesses. Here's what's good happening. Here's what the players get pissed at it because they're being called out on, on the stage. My job is to tell you the story. So I tell you the story. They'll be good. They got their millions. I've got film. <laughs> they win. <laughs> and so um, the deal is all I do is report a story. And you can always tell if you're doing a good job of telling both sides if you get called a hater and a homer on whatever team you're covering in the same day. You realize it's just people that have their narrative, and if you're not supporting it, then the venom comes out. Mute button. Mute button. I'm not going to block you. I like keeping you as a follower. Mute button. I'll never hear anything you say again. And I got the follower. Win, win. All right, anyway, Texans write the history I just reported. It's simple as that. Do the simple thing consistently right. Texans do that, they get back in the AFC South hunt. I'm not pitching that to you. I'm not selling that to you. I don't care what you believe. That's just a simple fact, and we've seen it through four weeks. It's on them. They write their history. I'll continue to report it. Jason Braddock, Aaron Wilson of the Houston Football Show with our good buddy Mark Larson. Johnny Danger out this evening. Uh, you'll hear him back there as well some evenings. We appreciate iLogic Media and the professional product they do. Uh, all the commercials they put together for our title sponsors, the production value, everything else as well. So thank you to Mark. Thank you to Johnny Danger and also Aaron Wilson. That's another episode of the Houston Football Show, Season 1, Episode 11, in the books. We'll see you next week after Jacksonville. This has been the Houston Football Show, brought to you by Prime Social Poker Club and Inside Edge.